I'm Felina. And I'm Summer. And you are listening to Broken Broken. <laughs> because we're both. The podcast about living your best life by getting real. Hey, broken people. It's Felina. <laughs> and this is Summer. How are you doing today? Um, before we get started, I uh, just wanted to plant the seed. Uh, I know the Women's March isn't until um, January, um, but I am looking for uh, volunteers or people who might be interested in helping uh, do a large chalk display oh. in protest. Uh, I've got some friends who have done this in LA and in California before, and uh, they now live here, and we're hoping to get organized uh, and get in touch with, we need to get in touch with the with the organizers of the Oklahoma City uh, branch of the of the march, uh, so I, uh, and I'm going to be working on that. But we're looking for volunteers to help work on that. So, uh, oh, and, and I don't know if any if you if you've not seen a chalking before, just like Google protest chalking, uh, because uh, it, it's pretty fantastic and <laughs> and and can make a. It, it's cool to see all these people come together and uh, get these great shots and Oklahoma really needs that national media attention because these things turn out really awesome and huge so I uh, hope we can make that happen and if anybody's interested in uh, trying to help organize that or be involved in that let us know so I know we've got a lot of artists who listen now's your time to step yes. up yes <laughs> <laughs> um, but on that note we've got a, an amazing woman uh, here with us today uh, this is Alexis, and uh, she uh, is also a family member of mine, but she's got a, a great story, and so uh, I just wanted to have her on to share that with us, so welcome. Hi guys. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Alexis. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yes. I just kind of want to let you tell me, you tell people what you want about, about yourself. So I have a pretty broad story. Um, I was born and raised in Oklahoma and grew up in a broken household from teenage parents and struggled with family and faith and religious cults and just ridiculousness of things that children shouldn't have to go through at an early age and it really caused me to struggle in finding myself in my early years so I started becoming very sexually active at an early age because that's how I introduced myself into the gay world at that time in my life and I did a lot of Craigslist ads and I was way too young to be doing that and I look back on it now and think how crazy I was and how reckless my behavior was but so I that was the first closet I came out of because now, I got caught for our listeners you were born Alex Sanders right I was born Alex Sanders and now I'm Alexis White so my mini closets I'll just tell all three at the very beginning. I came out as gay, and then two years later I came out as HIV positive to my family, and then it's been two years ago now that I came out as transgender to my family also. So um, with each closet, um, there have been certain people who grow with everything that goes on. My dad is like, and stepmom are the prime examples of that, who have just gone above and beyond to learn what they need to learn that way we are more together than we were when I first came out as gay because we know how to handle these things better now and we mm -hmm. figured out how to communicate and educate ourselves um, to be understanding of each other and not just me expect them to be understanding of me but me be understanding of the change that they're going through when okay. I tell them something like this and the adjustments that they have to make in their mind. But 
when I I got caught doing all of my promiscuous stuff on Craigslist, so I was kind of forced out of the closet. How old were you when you were doing this Craigslist? Fourteen. Okay. So way it's too young. A little dangerous young. here. Yeah. yeah. And way too young. And looking back on it, you know, I was sleeping with men who were like four times my age, which is like gross and I want to I have a conversation I could, like, with those men. <laughs> me too like I wish I could remember those men because I wish that I could message them and be like why did you think it was okay to right. do that you saw me sneak out of my bedroom window they you picked me up you know I was house. a child you knew they that I was not old enough to be sleeping with right. you wow. but beyond that I then found out that I had HIV and there was a time in there that I my parents I moved out of my parents' house. I'm not going to necessarily say I was kicked out. It was definitely mutual on everybody's side. We just kind of decided that, you know, it wasn't worth the fight with each other anymore, and we all just went our separate ways for a little while. And I fell into some heavy drug use and partying all the time um, in a different side of the community that, with friends that I had sought out that weren't actual friends. They were mm -hmm. just passing through my life to teach me lessons. Um, and after I had been on drugs for about six months, I had gotten down to about 105 pounds and I was still six foot three and wow. I definitely looked sick and I had blisters all over my face and all over my hands. And I had a friend who said, you really have to go get tested. And I know that you don't want to hear that, but I have HIV and you have to go get tested. And I did and I, I knew, but I didn't know when I went in to get tested. So I was just kind of prepared. And the guy who tested me in Oklahoma City is still a very good friend of mine. And he threw the test in the trash and he said, okay, so what we're gonna do now is schedule a doctor's appointment. And he just, he made it so easy and not, it was not convoluted with any kind of emotion. He just, just kind of hopped right into like, here's what we're gonna do about it now, instead of how to work through all the feelings. So it didn't really hit me for a few weeks and then it really hit me and I had some depression and then very shortly after I found out that I had HIV at a time in my life where I felt absolutely unlovable and absolutely disgusting and and you were how old um 18 and um I went to the Equality Center the Center on Equality Center when it was still um there in Oklahoma City it's actually just recently the building that it was housed in has been demolished but I met my husband and I saw him from across the room and I just kind of knew that he was super special and we have kind of been inseparable ever since, but he really has taught me how to love myself. And even we moved to Palm Springs about three years ago and just moved back to Oklahoma like a week ago. So before we had moved to Palm Springs, I had already started talking about the transition, maybe wanting to be something that I was gonna do in my life. And from day one, my husband Brandon has always been supportive and has always said that I should do what makes me happy and that if that is really what I need to do why am I not doing it because I owe it to myself to be happy and on our anniversary um, our first year in California I broke down at a really fancy restaurant in the middle of the restaurant and I said I'm going to transition we don't live anywhere where I'm trying to please anybody and that's what it took for me it took me moving away from my grandparents and my mom and all of those people in my life that wanted me to be a certain way to just not Had be a part of the right. I was living to me mm -hmm. and and authentic to me, and it was the first time I had ever done that, and it was so freeing to just not care. And now we're at a place where we're back in Oklahoma, and I'm still standing my ground with those things. Like 
we live in small town USA. We live out in Piedmont, Oklahoma. And oh, wow. when we go to the, <laughs> that is small. <laughs> the little grocery store out there, when people stare at me, I just, if I'm going to be known as that big, giant trans woman, I'm also going <laughs> to smile and be known as that big, giant trans woman who always smiles, <laughs> even though all of these people just continually stare at her. Like, I just always want to push forward as light from this point because there's so much life is what you make it even like in all of these journeys and it's not easy at all but it's also does me absolutely no good to sit and focus on any of that stuff in life because it doesn't I don't progress in life Mm -hmm. at that point and it took me a long time to figure that out I felt like I was on a hamster wheel forever that I, I had come out as gay and I still couldn't feel couldn't understand why I wasn't happy and why Mm -hmm. I was always depressed and why I didn't feel like myself and so moving to California completely reshaped that in my mind and you know having a husband who is so supportive and from loving me with HIV when I very first had HIV and being in a positive negative relationship and never having any shame in that or telling anybody that or helping me with HIV and AIDS organization work and things like that and just standing behind me and supporting me 100% to supporting me 100% just to be who I am and who makes me happy because he fell in love with me. Um, hearts, not parts. If you know, that's stupid. I think that that's such a silly <laughs> saying and so cliche, but it's so true. We fell in love with each other before and it didn't change anything for us because our hearts still match. And my dad, even though he wasn't the best at portraying advice to me when I was growing up, he didn't really know how. There are bits and pieces that I will always take away from my dad, and one of those was be with somebody who makes you a better person, and I have always lived that motto in relationships, is if you're not with somebody who's making you grow as a person and making you a better person, you're with the wrong person. And my dad has always been that, you know, my dad didn't know how to be supportive at the beginning, but my dad has educated himself in such amazing ways. It's <laughs> He never misses a beat. He uses all my preferred pronouns. He, When I told my dad I, I was trans, the only thing he said was, you're still my baby boy, right? Like, <laughs> he just doesn't... He's like, okay, cool. You live your life. and. Well, I like that... Well, one, that you said that both him and your stepmom have grown with you in your journey, but also you told the story last night about your dad wanting photos of you for his office. Yeah, my dad's a manager at a car dealership in a small town in Kansas. And and, 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 I mean, just knowing your dad, he seems like this very conservative Republican white dude, you know, like you... So he's an Oklahoman. Yeah. Well, right. (laughs) Yeah. But it just, and it makes me so happy that he's responded in such a positive, supportive way. I mean, he even found, he even found out through work that one of his car salesmen was transitioning outside of work but coming to work as a man and he told her he was like you come to work any way you want and if anybody says anything to them I'll beat their ass I promise (laughs) so he's just that person who like Mm -hmm. my dad genuinely just wants people to be happy he does and he's a good man (laughs) and on both sides I mean I say that on both sides my grandparents are members of church that is like crazy <laughs> church and my dad still supports their decision to believe in what they believe in and make their own decisions because it makes them happy and that's something that maybe even I could work on <laughs> but he just really genuinely cares about people 
and I hope that he passes that on to me and my little brother and sister, but he, they've done a great job of educating my siblings on knowing, wanting to know questions about my life or what's changing or anything like that. And, you know, I've just always had a really supportive, some kind of support system around me, even like we were talking about earlier, even when it feels like you don't have anybody. When I first found out that I had HIV, I was living with my dad's family and they very soon after kicked me out and told me that I was being punished by God and that That hurts my heart. I was never going to be forgiven and my heart had hardened and I had been marked like a lamb for slaughter and I could never never come to their house for dinner again and I could I could never go to their church again and um Felina's mom actually happened to be there at that point in my life sorry I'm getting all choked up now (laughs) you can make me cry (laughs) I'm the one who never cries so my aunt Mel was there and she called me at every doctor's appointment that I had to go to and made sure that I was going to be okay and that I could get to my doctor's appointment and that I had people to talk to going through this and she was just a huge instrumental part in that part of my life and keeping my sanity and what I was going to do because it was such a major thing to find out at 18 years old, right. especially in Oklahoma where there's no education on it. We really have to fix that. Yeah. Well, my we mom... please just talk to your kids about how to have proper gay sex if you think your kids are gay yeah. because it's like just or talk super to them even if you don't important. think they are because you like, don't know what they're right? doing. Yeah. Like it's just super important and I know that my parents didn't know that they should have done that, but I mean, I didn't, I was young and thought I was invincible and maybe I, if the same thing would have happened, but you know. Well, and my mom was like a cancer nurse and, and she, and she treated AIDS patients and patients with HIV. And so I'm, I, I, you and I have always, I felt a connection with you because I knew that my mom had helped you. Uh, during that time in your life. And after she passed away, it was. Well, she was the only person at the time even though my parents love me and accept me and they don't care that I'm HIV positive, it doesn't even come up in conversation actually ever at all. But she was the only person at that period in my life who like, there was no surprise. There was no, I'm so sorry. There was just no judgment. It was just, we're going to get through this and how are we going to get through this? And what doctors are you going to? And when can you get appointments? And how can you get to your appointments? And can we get you housing somehow? And can it was all of those things that, you know, it wasn't focused on how how I screwed my life up. It was how I was going to build my life with this being a part of my life. And I didn't have anybody like that except her for a few months until people just really started realizing that, you know, it wasn't, you know, like I said, my parents are very good. They use the internet a lot. They know how to educate themselves. <laughs> Good for them. You know, so they, many people refuse to do right, that. They, when they have a question about something, they try to figure it out on their own. My dad figured that out a long time ago because even when you don't want to offend somebody with a question, if you catch them in the wrong mood, you always risk that possibility. And my dad will always Google it first and then ask me if he's correct. That way he at least Good. seems somewhat educated mm-hmm. about it and I don't get upset because I feel like he's not being understanding but I I lucked out on that side not everybody not everybody does luck out and get to have a family as big as my family when they go through all of these things in life that you know support their partner and and me and that's the super cool part about even being moving back to Oklahoma from California everybody keeps apologizing and I, we moved here because we wanted to move back here. We didn't move back here for any other reason than we just wanted to be 
back in the city because the city's changing and you know we we just our hearts felt like we wanted to come back home and when people say sorry i literally have such a better support system out here and such a better set of genuine people who care about me than i would have ever had in california mm-hmm. and you know there's something to really be said about that even though it is Oklahoma. Oklahoma. <laughs> We're gradually entering right. into the 18th century. Hey, we just legalized medical yeah. marijuana, so there's yeah. that. We're not the last. I know. My grandma was it's like, incredible. For the yeah. first time. My grandma was like, you can buy weed and you can buy beer and wine in the grocery store. We of course, did you that. moved back home. Well, it does make it a little, like, it softens the blow. Right. It's more tolerable. all the other politics. Like, we've oh, got to be able to. I did go to 7-Eleven last night to buy wine before I came over here. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've ever done that in Oklahoma. I still haven't even done that. <laughs> I haven't either. I haven't had to go buy anything since Well, then. I, like, instinctually went and bought wine on Wednesday night. I had a dinner party, and I went and bought I went to a liquor store. I just didn't even think about it. Yeah. yeah, it just instinctually, it was like, oh, I'll just go to the liquor store. And then when I got there, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I could have just on just sprouts or wherever. Right, that's right there. Um, yeah. You'll get so, used to it. Yeah. <laughs> Very quickly, I'm sure. <laughs> so you said um, earlier, and then we got off track, the that you were kind of forced out of the closet because you got caught with your teenage antics. Well, How I did that happen? What happened? always forced out. Oh, well, every time? <laughs> well, in high school to like my peers, uh-huh. I had a friend who was flamboyantly gay in high school, and he was out, and everybody loved him. And I was not, and he outed me to our whole class, and that was like a devastating blow at school because I was an awkward kid, and I didn't know who I was, and I was that kid who was friends with everybody but didn't have best friends. Right. Like I knew everybody and could say hello, but I never had like the group to sit at with at lunch, or you know, I never Mm -hmm. had that in high school at all. So when he outed me, it like completely devastated me. But then while I was at my grandparents' house. My grandparents are very naive. It's the reason why my parents got pregnant in high school and they never, they didn't learn from that. (laughs) And I was at their house one day and I used to use my grandma's cell phone to get online. And I was an idiot and didn't cover my tracks and, you know, got caught. And it was devastating and my parents didn't know how to handle it. And they said things that were really hurtful instead Mm -hmm. of trying to help me figure out why this was what I was doing in my life instead of trying to help me figure out why I thought that was okay they were it it just wasn't conducive for anybody to learn from the situation it didn't help them at all become more understanding of the fact that I was gay it didn't help me at all because I didn't really even understand what the gay community was because I grew up so sheltered I'm sure that there even was a community I didn't even know what transgender people were until I was 18 probably so I, I mean, I just grew up in a very backwards, closed-minded world with my grandparents, and um, I say that pretty openly now. And I, I don't, I don't have any judgment to them. They, they really do live by their word and their truth, and they apply it to their life. I just wish that they didn't feel like they had to apply it to my life. Um, but they, they still use words like fag, and that's how they describe people on the. TV and they complain that they can't watch TV anymore because we're all taking over their television shows and there's mm-hmm. trans people and gay people everywhere and I'm, I, we've got Brandon over here like <laughs> cheering <laughs> take it over 
<laughs> so what? Take another word. So, but I'll never forget. I, I'll never forget the day that it happened. I was supposed to go over to my grandparents, and I was my stepmom and I were not super close when I was growing up. Now she's one of my best friends, but we weren't super close when I was growing up. But my grandma, who is the crazy religious bigot, was my best friend and my end all be all. And we talked on the phone for like hours and hours and hours a day. And I spent every possible waking moment that I could at the woman's house and. I'll never forget going and knocking on Jennifer's door and saying it's time to go to Graham's and her opening the door and telling me that I was not going anywhere ever again and that I had been caught and I knew exactly what I was talking about and she didn't want to look at me or talk to me and I needed to wait until my dad got home and I needed to go away. And I immediately had all these big, huge pits in my stomach because not only was I having to tell my parents that I was gay, but my parents were reading these messages that you never want your parents to read. Right. I mean, I was talking about things that are like, even now, I would never want my parents to read that stuff. Like, I will always think that my dad, somewhere in the back of his mind, thinks about that still. And I don't want. I just. They all said the same things when they were. Oh, I, we just, all. Petrified. We all get dirty. You know, it's fine. But, my, but from that happening, that was really, that was the turning point in my life where just nothing fit together after that. My One, my parents didn't know how to punish me for it, so after that happened, I was basically grounded until I moved out of my parents' house, and it wasn't necessarily for that one thing, it was... Like they didn't know what to do. It was just, con- it was just constant groundation after constant groundation, which eventually backfired because oh, eventually like I was it like, always does, yeah. well, if I'm grounded for the next two years... I don't give a shit. Like, who cares? Mm -hmm. I can do whatever I want to do. These these punishments mean nothing. I am 16 years old and I'm grounded for two years. I'll (laughs) be 18. And I I went in and out of the closet like a revolving door, though, to try to make my grandparents happy. And that was the first, you know really realizing to try to be who you were and trying to be happy with yourself that I got into a relationship with a woman who was like 10 years older than me she already had two kids she got pregnant it I did such destructive things to my life because I didn't know who I was and I didn't have anybody growing up to educate me on the fact that it was okay to be this way and I I have these struggle this struggle now when I talk to other family members because they don't want me to be around in fear of how they're going to explain this to their kids. And I just don't think that there's anything to explain to your kids. That was like, going to be my question. If, if, I don't somebody, understand what that means. What are you explaining to the kids? If, yeah, I mean... You... If, somebody, if your four-year-old <laughs> says, why is Alex dressed like that? You just respond and you say, Alex is dressed like that because it makes Alex happy. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you can't grapple your mind around the pronouns just use my name like you don't even there's a four-year-old will be okay with that I promise they're not gonna ask any more questions yeah yeah, my daughter was here last night and she was cranky and she went to bed early and Jennifer your stepmom asked if she had any concerns about you or was confused and I was like no she's just bored because there were no other kids around like she even (laughs) asked I asked her you know I was like do you remember Alex and she's like, yeah, kind of. And I was like, you know, she's Alexis now. And, you know, do you have any questions? No. 
Like, <laughs> it just isn't something that they even think about. Well, unless it's, you teach them to, because I, hate is taught. I was about yeah. to say, and that's, 100%. I think that that's my frustration with family members like that is, and I tried to explain this to somebody I was talking to the other night. I had these struggles and I couldn't find myself at 18 or 16 or whenever I needed to because nobody ever allowed me to see any other point of view mm-hmm. than one one point of view. And regardless in life, your kids are going to come across all kinds of people forever and you, you can't control that. And eventually they'll either resent you because you never taught them and it's something that they identify with mm-hmm. or they'll wonder why you're so hateful because well, they have met people that... They go, these are good people, and I've been taught my whole life to avoid people like this, and they're no different than me mm-hmm. at all. Well, they, it's they're... me with my family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a family like yours. <laughs> yeah. just, just, you know? Well, and it reminds me, there's this Khalil Jabbar uh, poem that my mom always read to me, and I love it, but it's, uh, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of lives longing for themselves. And it goes on beyond that. that. But, I mean... It's so easily forgotten by by parents, and I'm a parent, so I remind I have to remind myself of that. That my daughter is not, she's not mine. She is a life of her own, and she's going to be whoever she's going to be. And I have absolutely zero control over that. I can guide her, I can expose her to things, which is what I try to do, and and, and teach her to think for herself, and, and to teach her that that's okay to think for yourself, mm-hmm. and that you don't need mm-hmm. to think what I think. You don't need to think what anybody else thinks. Think for you. And and I don't know where I'm going with that, but I just I wish <laughs> more people would raise their kids in that way, so that when they do grow up and they feel like they don't fit in somewhere like you did, or you know didn't feel like you had a community, didn't have any close friends, if you would have just felt like it was okay. Well, yeah, I would have gone to GSA in high school. My mm-hmm. high school had a GSA. Mm-hmm. I could have gone and been a part of that had I not been taught that it was like you were being taught to hate yourself. Thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was the biggest homophobe ever before I came out of the closet. I was mean. I was a bully. I said horrible things Which to my classmates. Which is just so crazy because when I was telling you last night, I knew you when you were eight, and I knew, <laughs> right? Well, like, <laughs> and I I asked my mom that question one time when I she kind of acts surprised by this whole trans thing and I have literally been traipsing around in makeup and heels and my grandma's clothes since I was like two. This is not, not new. <laughs> you know a new thing and they thought it was just kids being kids then and they never and that's all it ever was. But it was this has always been obvious. I was telling my stepmom the other day one of a moment in my life that I will never forget is when she got pregnant with my little sister and my. The, one of the bedrooms in the house was being turned into a nursery and the closet had all of these skirts and all of these cute baby girl clothes in it. And I remember just going in there one day and just sitting on the floor with all of those skirts in my lap and just crying because I mm. wanted to wear a skirt so bad. And that's how I felt. Like, I had always identified as... I was definitely a very effeminate man way before... I, effeminate boy, even as a child. Mm-hmm. But... I had always identified more with the girls. I always wanted to do the girl things, whatever that means, you know, but I, I wanted to be around and I was, since my parents had me in high school, I was also the only kid. I did not grow up with any other kids in my life. I was basically mm-hmm. an only child. My, my little brother and sister are 10 and 12 years younger than me. And my mom's son is 19 years younger than me. So <laughs> I never lived with my siblings, really. I, I've always been kind of an only child. 
and that was hard enough in itself. I'm not sure I understand. Growing Sorry, Siri <laughs> just like to randomly shot things in the middle of interview. Yeah. I just. <laughs> I Brandon likes to just snort in the middle of things. We find it endearing. <laughs> But that was hard in itself because I didn't have anybody. I also didn't know how to be a kid and talk to kids when I was a kid because I was surrounded by adults my whole life. Mm. So in school, it was so awkward to me because, and even now at 24, people all the time are like, you're such an old soul. And I, and I, <laughs> I am, I get it. Like I do feel like I'm more like my parents' age half the time because, but I think it's because I just had to go at 16 and become an adult and you really it, did. I just did everything that everybody does until 21 from like 16 to 17 and <laughs> yeah. a half and then for you know. being so young you really have gone through so much it's I mean you've lived a lot of life in your too much. 24 years of life yeah <laughs> too much I just I'm looking forward to us moving back home like I really I we live out in the country right now on a farm and I'm like, this simple life. Just give me this simple life. Just right here. Just let this keep happening right here for a little while. Because this is what I need. No drama. No nothing. Just my simple farm life. And, you know, we just... It's it's hard. It's hard to continue to trust people. Because in a community like this, you, you grasp so much for acceptance. Especially before I had my dad and stepmom on board. And I had family members who were really close to me. You grasp so much for acceptance from other people and you let very toxic people become close in your life. And I mean, I, the man who made me go get tested for HIV was 60 something when he met me and I was 17 and he would let me stay at his house on the weekends and he would take me out to the gay bars and there was never anything sexual involved at all that he, I later found out in life was grooming me mm-hmm. for that and to be that and I was his roommate for probably four years so much so that even after Brandon and I met Brandon moved in with us and I lived with him and Brandon and I got a phone call one day shortly after we moved out of his house that he had been arrested and busted on charges of child pornography and we were living with that and it's so hard to keep I feel like we just keep finding people like that especially it's just so hard to know like who really genuinely wants you to be happy and support you and who has these hidden nasty motives motives with it and Mm -hmm. you know that makes an already hard life seem even more challenging because you just feel like you're constantly being hit in the face with things that are unheard of and unthought of and this doesn't happen to normal people and and why do they keep finding me like and it's very I have the hugest hugest I have the biggest heart of anybody that I know not to toot my own horn. I really do. To my own fault. I feel other people's pain more than I feel like they feel their own pain sometimes. You're an empath. And, and you're going to be a target hard. for narcissists and sociopaths. And I know this because I am an empath. And I am a target for narcissists and sociopaths. They find us. They, <laughs> they seek you out. They seek your bleeding heart. Mm-hmm. So that because you make them feel good about themselves, but it's yeah. a part of me that I also don't ever want to like let anybody don't take away jaded. from no. me right. because yeah. I do like that every time it stings just a little bit more, and well, you like get you that see, feeling just a little bit more that you're like, Man, again, I let somebody do this to me again. 
got fooled again is what it feels like, at least whenever yeah. it happens to me. I'm 30, almost 37, and I still struggle with that. But you seem very much more at peace than I've ever seen you. And, uh, you know, you're standing up for... I, I know you were telling me last night that your mom wanted you to come over only if you were dressed as a, as a man. And mm. you're at a point in your life where you're setting boundaries, which I commend you for, because I don't think at 24 I was able to set boundaries and say, no, like this is, I'm not doing that. I'm going to be true to myself. And to me, I find that to be incredibly strong and wise that you've figured out that you can set that boundary and, and that's what's best for you and that's okay to put you first. It takes a lot of therapy. Yes. <laughs> a lot. Therapy and people teaching you coping skills mm-hmm. to learn that my self-love and me loving myself is more important than my mom feeling comfortable for dinner. And I love my mom and there's nothing my mom could ever say or do to me that would make me not love my mom. And I... Your parents are your parents. You don't choose your parents. And my mom has done a lot of great things for me in my life. And I'm not judging her for struggling with this, like, at all. Um, I, I hope that she can find ways to learn to cope with this and learn to get through it. And, you know, I, I, I strongly suggest anybody who hasn't gone on and watched Free Mom Hugs interviews by Sarah Cunningham, go do that. Go, go watch what it's like to be... A conservative woman whose son comes out as gay and finds their way in their faith and what one thing she says that I, I I just wish my mom could get to this point is she didn't lose her faith from that church to that pride parade it only got stronger and it only came in a different way and you know she started realize and it's just super important to realize that you know all of these my dad hates labels hates them <laughs> when I was in high school he all his number one question was why does Alex have to be gay? Why can't you just be Alex? Like, why do you always, ha- why does it have to be gay all the time? And there's a sense of pride that comes with that that he didn't understand at first, that, you know, you want to be proud of being gay. But there's also a certain amount of truth to it. As I've gotten older, and especially being a part of the trans community, I find this a lot, is I'm trans, but that does not define any circumstance in my life. It does not define me getting a job. It does not define my personality, who I am. And while it may be harder to get some of those things, me being trans doesn't eliminate the fact that those things are going to happen in life. I may have to look for them in a little bit different place, and I may have to be a little bit more optimistic and wait a little bit longer. But the trans thing has basically nothing to do with anything that I do in life besides me being uncomfortable because other people are uncomfortable and when you get to the point where you're finally just not uncomfortable because you're happy being in your own skin you just it it, all of those labels just kind of go away because they they don't represent me being HIV positive or queer or trans or I am still that same kid with the huge heart that I was when I was eight years old. I really am. Like, I really am the (laughs) same person that I have been my whole entire life. I've always had the same personality. I've always been a little bit emotionally crazy. I've always, like, nothing has changed. I have always been... the same sweetheart that I remember from you being very first introduced into this family. I mean, we both are stepchildren of this we family are. that has joined us together and 
I remember first meeting, and you were you were and still remain just a sweetheart. You've just always been a big sweetheart. <laughs> and I'm not, I, and you know, and that's funny because when you see me, I don't look like a sweetheart, and I know that I don't look like yes, a sweetheart. Yes, you do. <laughs> I, I have resting bitch face like no <laughs> other, and people are always afraid to come and talk to me, and I also have resting bitch voice. <laughs> I don't know what it is about my voice, but people always think I'm angry. I think I got that one from Jennifer. Um, it's funny but, how our step parents yeah. can really become definitive of our of our personalities. My, my oh. stepdad is my, our personalities are very similar. I feel like there is I no blood relation, am but I am more like Jennifer like than I am any of the four of my parents. I feel <laughs> like. I and I and I don't feel like I'm Jennifer now. I feel like I'm Jennifer when I was growing up, which is crazy to me because we butted heads all the time, and I can't believe that I'm I so close. Watch now. the way that they raise their kids now, and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> Who are these people? This is not the house that I lived in at all. But they, it's also super awesome because my little brother and sister do have the ability to just do be themselves and you know and they're both pretty you know typical normal kids and don't have anything to really be you know struggle over at this point in their lives but they may one day and they have a family that they know that they can rely on when it comes to you know they have my parents that are obviously there and they have Brandon and I they know that they're, we're always a phone call away and you know I just they're super lucky in that respect and it's amazing to me that it's only been 10 years since all of this started happening in my life and the world has come such a long way just in those 10 years from when I first stepped out of the closet and being the gay was closet. a thing. <laughs> like, you know, that's just, yeah. it's so crazy to me. Like when I came out, the year I came out, I think is the year Glee put a gay person on TV and it was like the first like major character on TV right. network television that was like flamboyantly out and proud and, you know, I... So we've taken over TV now. <laughs> <laughs> and soon the, the gay agenda. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're you're back in Oklahoma now. So now, what are your your plans? Um. So living day by day, kind of at the moment. Um. We're living on my husband's family farm out past Piedmont, Tordo Carchi. So a little bit in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> no sticks. But we've got, you know, two horses on the property and two donkeys and some cows. And I just plan on filling up my time, <laughs> spending time with those animals because they don't talk back. <laughs> and working, I'm in a, I got my old job back that I had before I left, which is also super awesome um, that, you know, I left as Alex and they would like me to come back as Alexis and they're being super supportive. And where is that at? The Metro Wine Bar in Oklahoma City. You should come in for dinner. It's great. Um, I would love to wait on you and give you a great experience and offer some great wine. Um, but other than that, I think our focus is really saving money to buy a house and hopefully have some mini-me's in the next five years, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, you also mentioned some community involvement. What's the organization that you're involved in yeah, or so becoming involved in? Brandon and I are on the advisory board for Other Options Incorporated in Oklahoma City. Can you um, tell me what, what other options? Is? Other options is an HIV and AIDS um, help clinic. They have a food pantry and a, a med service, and they transport people to doctor's visits, and 
Mary Arbuckle um, took over running the organization from Cookie, um, who started other options probably 30 plus years ago. Um, and they make, they send out over 2,000 Thanksgiving meals to the HIV community. Um, they do different events all over town. Brandon and I tomorrow night are volunteering at the Black and White Ball um, in Oklahoma City. Um, is that to raise money for the organization? To raise money for HIV. It's all nonprofit, so it's all off of donation. Um, Mary Arbuckle is a mover and a shaker, and she always seems to find a way to get things done. But um, there's, of course, being a small organization, especially in Oklahoma, under the new administration, um, they cut HIV funding mm-hmm. um, from about $60,000 a year to $20,000 a year. And that, for a, an organization like that, is a major hit. And mm-hmm. luckily, um, with the political climate in Oklahoma right now, people have stepped up um, to fill those voids and those gaps, and the organization is still doing well, but it takes all of these events that we do um, that seem a little bit pricey from time to time with galas and things like that, but that's how we feed people, and we get people mm-hmm. clothes, and we get housing for people, and medical attention, and medical, and, and you can always donate to other options, anything. Um, we're about to have our Thanksgiving drive it's obviously about to be thanksgiving so even something as simple as going by other options which is right on 50th and portland area like 51st um and donating all of your extra plastic walmart bags because we send all the food out in plastic bags and you can never have enough or going to help load up all those things because it's 2,000 turkeys and 2,000 everything that you have to put into individual boxes to get going and you know, we cook all the whole night before and start serving at like 6 a.m. So, you know, just getting involved in things like that really helps out a small organization like Maybe that. Maybe we'll spend and our Thanksgiving doing that. I don't have Thanksgiving plans yet. That sounds... Well, yeah, like we would... Yeah, can Sophia, and we can, do it. Can kids help volunteer? Yeah, we do okay. it. So where we do the... Um, I, I, I could be incorrect on this, but where we've always done it in the past is at the cafe that is in the building, the same building as Hilo and Drunk and Fry, okay. the sun, mm-hmm. sunny side mm-hmm. or something like that, mm-hmm. breakfast, the diner always um, donates their space to us every year so we can cook in their kitchen and serve the food out of their dining room and it's a big assembly line and it's a lot of fun and, but they have events all the time, Drag Queen Bingo is like once a month at the boom, it supports other options. Um, Tramps will have a turnabout show, the Larry Crosby turnabout show next month. Um, that completely goes to other options and be the change. So other options, is, I my heart and soul is in it because I have shopped in the food pantry and I have gone there for housing and I have gone there to get my meds and I have been on the receiving end um, of all of those things. So to be sitting in a room with people and the ability to have my own health insurance and have my own way to provide my own food and have a way to support my life and build my life and be health, healthy. Um, I just feel very honored to even get to be a part of that board and sit in on meetings like that, um, that I can give back to other people in that way because there were times where that really is, I would not have eaten had I mm-hmm. not gone through the food pantry on a Monday and filled up my kitchen. And they're always so gracious and they know when you're, they. They'll give you extra food if you look too skinny and that, you know, they <laughs> want you, they, they want the best for you. And Mary Arbuckle, I know I have bragged on her like a ton, but she, she just is one of the most genuine people I've ever met. There's not, 
It doesn't catch me as a surprise if I see a post on her at Facebook on a daily basis that she's sitting at the hospital or visiting somebody at the hospital after after any crisis, whether it, anything in our community. She's just always there, and she's got her she has her own ranch that she's got to take care of. So she's a busy woman in her mm-hmm. own personal life, and she she dedicates all of her time, countless hours that she's not really she just donates so much of her time to just making sure that the rest of the community is okay and she does it without complaint and without she does things it in return right she yeah. does it because it just is what Sounds she like feels like calling. she needs to do because yeah. it needs to be done yeah and i yeah. so appreciate being able to be involved in something like that and have an organization like that in oklahoma where people mm-hmm. do need a place to yeah. Well, I think it's great safe. that you, I mean, you've been back for a week and you immediately <laughs> got involved yes, and definitely. got into an organization that obviously meant something to you and had done something for you, but that was your first instinct was to come back and give back. And it seems like from what you said that you've been welcomed with open arms in the, the community here. And how, how have you seen just from the, the two years that you were gone? Do you see any changes in the uh, LGBTQ community or? Um, no. No. <laughs> Trans has been remodeled. <laughs> um, no. Um, has it gotten bigger? Are there more people? No. There's. Um, I've only known. I only met two other trans people before I had moved away from Oklahoma last time, and since I've been back this time, I have met six in a week. So only meeting two in 21 years to meeting six just this past week is definitely makes my heart really happy that people, you know, that this is the next big movement that's going to become quote unquote normal, even though to society that it's going to stop being something that people, you know, even acknowledge happening. There's not going to be any reason to stare because people are just going to be educated on the fact that this is life and people live different lives and well it makes me hopeful that maybe Oklahoma as we keep trashing it is maybe not as backwards as we once were and we're seeing some more progress I have seen a lot Mm -hmm. of Drew Edmondson signs (laughs) I'm hoping oh my god yes that gives me hope (laughs) but I it's I have definitely seen a change in political climate in our community there's definitely um more people trying to step up and and be more involved in, in things like running for house districts and things like that around town and trying to give our community a voice in some way. And they've really been revitalizing 39th Street, which is nice because it has kind of been just ignored for years and years and years. It's just kind of, that was the gay people's spot and they just kind of didn't take care of any part of that street. And it's nice to walk up and down there now and there be plants and a sign that says 39th Street District and park benches mm-hmm. and nice trash cans and bike lanes and all of those things really make it feel like safe. We're not mm-hmm. trying to like oh, hide yeah. in this dark alleyway anymore. Right. That we're That's trying great. to make yeah, it open really for everybody, you know, yeah. for gay bars aren't just for gay people. <laughs> bars are bars nope. and there's really no need for them <laughs> to like even be called gay bars anymore. <laughs> you know, like they just I think they're trying to make 39th Street into something that is inclusive for everybody and make, you know, 
people who aren't part of the queer community still feel welcome to be a part of it. And that's something that I loved about Palm Springs is, yes, there was a street that all the gay bars were on, but it's funny to call anything a gay bar in Palm Springs. <laughs> everything in Palm Springs is gay. It's literally <laughs> the gayest place in the world <laughs> by capita of people. It is, there's rainbow flags everywhere, all businesses, all restaurants. Like, it's just not abnormal. So it is a little weird for me coming back here because people don't really stare at me in Palm Springs and you definitely get the people who like their bodies keep walking forward but their heads (laughs) turn the whole time you're walking by. You are also beautiful and tall. That's what what my husband tells me all the time. So I try to think about that sometimes. You walk with such confidence and your shoulders back and you seem very you just can think comfortable in who back. you are. <laughs> and I just I it, I hadn't seen you in a couple of years and I was so happy to see you last night and today and just see you really appear to be comfortable with who you are and, and at peace with yourself and, and just you seem very zen and I like it. it makes, I you've got a good energy going feel on. feel really zen. I can tell. Right I and can what's tell. what's so scary, what's so crazy about all of this is I told Brandon like a year ago that um, we, I would never move back to Oklahoma again. I love Palm Springs and I would never, <laughs> ever, ever leave Palm Springs, ever. And some things changed in life and I saw some people around me's true colors and I realized that I was going down another dark path with the wrong group of people and all of a sudden moving back here became light instead of dark and now that we're back it's like this I'm serious I seriously am just I've told people this a handful of times this week I am the most at peace that I feel like I have ever been in my entire life and I never would have thought I would have said that living in Oklahoma thank you well, can you uh, give a shout out to, or do you want to give a shout out to anybody? Uh, other options? Where, where can we find yeah, more social information? Media or on them or um, social media, other options incorporated. Um, I will share a link to that on my page yes. also. Um, and I will, we once this is posted, podcast, I yeah. can post it on the podcast also. Um, and they, they advertise all over Facebook all the time. So, um, you can also, one thing I do suggest for other options is, you know, everybody does their birthday fundraisers now on Facebook and you set a mm-hmm. goal for like $300 and most of the time that it's met, most of the time it is met and Facebook is becoming a really great way to easily get money to organizations like that and mm-hmm. it becomes uncomplicated and it becomes, you're not asking for anything and, yeah. you know, that's a great way to, so just look for those little other My options birthday's coming up next all the time. Month, so. I'll just do that. I'll go ahead and plan on doing that. <laughs> My Scorpio's over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and sharing mm. your story with us. And I love you. I'm just so happy to have you home. I love home. you too. Yeah. Thank you. I'm happy to be home. Thanks for having me. This yeah, is really thank cool. Thank you for being willing to share. Yeah. yeah. I love it. You can contact the podcast at brokebrokenpodcast at gmail.com. The Broken Broken Podcast can be found on Twitter at Broke Broken Show, on Instagram and Facebook at Broke Broken Podcast.